My name is Tom Jr. and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, everybody. Today we're going to talk about something that is very, very important to you and to me on a continuing daily basis. And it's a thing called acceptance. Acceptance is not an easy thing to do, although it's an easy thing sometimes to understand. And this morning I'm going to try to give you not only uh, some of the problems that are involved with our non-acceptance, especially of our disease of alcoholism, but some of the ways in which we can accept. I want you to consider one thing this morning, more than anything else. To begin with, I want to give you for your thought during this talk this morning the following statement that I believe is true. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want you to consider that while we're talking this morning. And consider at the end of this talk if there is the slightest possibility that that statement may be true. Don't consider the religious connotation of it. Don't consider any of the other. Just take the statement as is. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or as a woman thinks in, his heart, in her heart, so is she, if you will. And consider if there is the slightest possibility that it's true. And if at the end of this lesson you can say, yes, it's possible, then we've gotten somewhere this morning. Acceptance is what scholars would call the sine qua non of recovery. Sine qua non is a Latin phrase which means a condition without which something's not going to happen. And acceptance is that important. It is a condition without which there will be no change, no growth, and no sobriety. That's how important it is. It produces freedom. It's a beginning point of change, and it's one of the basic foundations of the 12-step recovery program in which you're involved right here. It's the basis of all these slogans that you hear, live and let live, let go and let God, easy does it, first things first. All of these things have as their foundation this idea of acceptance. It is absolutely essential to recovery. I can't make that point enough. Until we can accept ourselves as we are, we have very little chance. Bill Wilson, one of the co-founders of the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in the 12 and 12, and you have a copy of that book, I think, out here, the following words, and I quote, Until the alcoholic can accept his devastating weakness, there is little chance of recovery. What is this devastating weakness that we talk about? Basically, it's a physiological thing. It's a physical thing. You and I, we alcoholics, are allergic to alcohol. That means that our body does not burn off alcohol like the normal person's body does. We will always be that way unless medical science comes up with an answer to this. It has been proved in many ways that the alcoholic's chemical physical makeup is quite different from the average drinker. There is no doubt about this fact now in most people's minds. And this is coupled with an obsession which drives us to take the first drink. Remember while you're here this complex obsession that drives you to take the drink and the allergy which will make you keep on drinking once you take that first drink. That is your devastating weakness, if you will. 
That's the thing that we know we'll never get rid of. That's the reason some of us say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. This physical factor does not seem to change. I've seen it proven again and again and again. I've seen people with years of sobriety, and some of you have seen them, who get the idea in their mind, and it's the obsession, Jim, someday, somehow, if I just handle it right, I'm going to be able to drink like everybody else. This time it's going to be different. And they try it after 10, 15 years. And this allergy has built to a point where most of them are dead once they start drinking in a very short time. Now, with this physical allergy, it does a strange thing. With drugs, the tolerance for a drug is built and built and built and built and built, and it takes more and more and more. With alcohol, the tolerance builds and builds and builds, and then somewhere along the line, in the drinking life of an alcoholic, it starts down. His tolerance decreases. Some of you can identify with this. You can remember when you drank great amounts of alcohol. And then you can remember that time when you drank very little alcohol and you were drunk in a very short time and you couldn't understand it and it took less and less and less. And I well remember the time I was sitting in my sister's apartment and I'd been drinking for several days and I could not get my mind out. My body would not function at all. I got to the point where I could not lift my arms, I could not move my legs, all I could do was sit on her couch. And she knew nothing else to do but pour the booze down me. And I hadn't drank that much, but I was just as clear mentally as I am right now. I couldn't knock out that mind. And this is the phenomenon that we refer to as drinking yourself sober. That's exactly what I had done, only I couldn't move. And we've got to accept those of us who want to stay sober, that we have the disease of alcoholism. That in a physical sense, we will always have the disease of alcoholism. And until we accept this, nothing's going to happen. Every alcoholic thinks he's different. No alcoholic is. What keeps most alcoholics drunk? Is they come into groups like this or they go to AA meetings or somewhere else? And they think of the ways that they're different from the person who's talking. And that's an ego trip. But the minute that alcoholic can sit in there and hear something that somebody says and say, yes, I'm like that, there's no chance. We're all different. But the differences are not what make the disease of alcoholism. It's the common things that make the disease of alcoholism. The things we can identify on. Look for those things. Look for them in yourself. Don't look for professional standing or social status or education or lack of education or sex or youth or age or any of these other things. We're all different in those ways. Those are external things. Look for the inside things that we're talking about. The feelings, the thoughts, the attitudes, the actions. And then maybe you'll be able to say, yeah, I'm like that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, I just came in from outdoors. It's a gorgeous day outside. It's beautiful to me. But I would speculate and say that there are quite a few of you in here who could go look at that very same day and not see it as a gorgeous day. Why is it? That two or three people can look at the same world 
and see two or three different things? Why is it that one person can pray and get results and another person can pray just as hard and not get any results at all? I think it has to do with acceptance. I think our inner resistance to our disease colors our thinking. I've been sober quite a while. Some of you haven't. We see things differently. And your inner resistance to life, to people, to yourself, to God, to the world itself. Make no mistake about it. Colors everything you look at. There are certain things about ourselves that are acceptable. We don't have any problem with those. They fit. They fit our own self-conceived image, herb, of what we ought to be. And they're okay. And we like them. But you know, there are certain things about ourselves that we cannot accept. They're unacceptable. And we shove these things down into us and we try to be something other than what we really are. And it's our resistance to these negative things that controls us, not our agreement with the positive things. For instance, if a person has made me angry, I am the type of individual who can think of nothing else except how to get back at that person. In a great effect, that person is controlling my life. When a problem comes into my life, if I concentrate all my attention on it, and I grab hold of it, and I put all of me into it, am I in control of my life? Or is the problem in control of my life? We are in effect... As long as we react this way, the prisoners of those people and those problems. I heard a man tell a story not long ago. He said, do you know how they trap monkeys in a certain part of the world? He said, they put an object in a bottle with a small neck. And the monkey comes along and he sticks his hand in that bottle. And he grabs that object inside. And then he tries to get his hand out with the object. And he can't get his hand out. The neck of the bottle is too small. And they've got themselves a monkey. He's trapped. He wants what's in there. He's concerned with it. He's concentrating on it. But he's trapped. And the man said, the only way the monkey will ever be free is to turn loose of the ball and pull his hand out the neck. That's the way we seem to be with our problems. We hold on to them. And we become prisoners of the things that we hate. But if we accept these things, we're free. We're free. I talk to you a lot about a thing called perception because I believe it's very important. Perception is a big word. And I've shared with you before. Flip Wilson and the gal he had on his show named Geraldine. And Geraldine used to talk about perception. Geraldine said over and over with her hand on her hip, Honey, what you see is what you get. And that's perception. And it's true. What you see is what you get. You see, that world out there has no reality at all except that which I give it by my own thought. You have no reality to me at all except what I give you by my own thought. I am what I see me to be. That's how powerful perception is. The world is what I see it to be. And if I see it as a dark, mean, forbidding, hateful place, that's what it is. And if I see me as a bum, 
That's what I am. And if I see you as an enemy, that's what you are. You see, two of us can look at that world. It's not the world that has the effect on us. It's how we see the world. It's the meaning we assign to people, places, circumstances, events that controls our lives. You know, for years, we've thought we were controlled from the outside. We have made statements like, If my boss would only do differently. If my wife would do so and so. If I had money. If I had property. If I had this. If I had that. If all these external things were right, then I wouldn't drink like I do. Have you ever said that, any of you? I've only said it a million and a half times. You see, the whole world's got to change in order for me to get well. This is absolutely untrue. And as long as you blame the outside world and external circumstances for your alcoholism, you never get well. I don't care how bad those things are. There's another point of view, and I want to share it with you this morning. I think it's the truth. The truth is that the inner controls the outer. What I concentrate on sooner or later will come to pass in my life. If I concentrate on sickness, sickness will come. If I concentrate on fear, I will be afraid. If I concentrate on problems, they'll come rolling in like I never thought they would. You see, I can't control what happens to me in this world. My control lies in my reaction to what happens to me in this world. I can choose how to react. I can choose what my attitude will be, how I will think about a given thing. That's where my freedom lies, in choice. The inner causes the outer. My own concept is what I see. Reality is what I make it out to be. And there's no two ways about it. That's the reason two of us can look at the same world and see two different things. The program in which you're involved has a book. Big blue book. And it said in that book, Our troubles, we think, are of our own making. God, how I hated that line. I could think of all the bad breaks I'd had in life and all the mean things people had done to me, and I could not buy that. But what that is saying is, Tom, your problems are problems bigger than they ought to be because of your reaction to them. There is something wrong with the way you look at things. There's something wrong with the way you see things. And your own actions are perpetuating your illness. What is acceptance anyway? There's an old definition of acceptance that I want you to consider. And it's very simple because I like to put things simple. Acceptance means taking what is given. Will you buy that? Taking what is given. Very simple, isn't it? But not so simple. Acceptance depends upon three things, usually with we alcoholics. It depends upon the giver. Do you like him or not? It depends upon what is given. And it depends upon how 
it is given. Let me illustrate about what is given. If I were given the power for the next few seconds to hand out diseases to you, and I said to you, I'm going to give you the common cold. All you have to do is rest a little bit, drink a lot of juice, take some aspirin, and you're going to be okay. And I said to you, Jim, I'm going to give you cancer, terminal, incurable. Who could accept it the best? Suppose for a minute that I walked over to someone here and handed them this piece of chalk. And I said, would you please hold this for me for a few minutes? What do you think their reaction might be? Sure. But suppose I walked over to that person and said, hold this damn chalk and don't drop it and give it back to me when I asked for it and not before. Would their reaction be different? I think so. Acceptance has depended in the past on three things. The gift, the giver, and how it was given. Consider for a minute our alcoholism. Which one of us liked the gift? Which one of us asked for it? Which one of us liked the way it was given? And which one of us, and let's get down to the bottom line, folks, liked the giver? And who's the ultimate giver? God is. And we don't like Him. Think about it. And I want to make this statement to you. And this is a quote from a guy named Emmett Fox. He's a very spiritual writer. He said, and I quote, and this is a quite different point of view, with a difficulty of any kind, it is the reaction you give it mentally and the attitude you take towards it in your own thought that completely determine its effect on you. That's radically different, isn't it? He's saying it doesn't depend on the gift and how it's given and the giver. What it depends on is me. With a difficulty of any kind, he says, it's the reception you give it mentally and the attitude you adopt toward it in your own thought that completely determine its effect on you. Example. Heard a story one time about two little boys, identical twins. Exactly alike in every way. Except one was a pessimist and the other was an optimist. And their mom and dad got worried about them because they were so different in this way. And they took them to a world-famous psychiatrist and explained the problem to him and said, Can you find out what's going on? And he said, Sure, leave them with me for two or three days. And he took the little boy who was a pessimist and he put him in a room about this big full of every kind of toy you ever saw in your life. There was rocky horses and electric trains and balls and bats and games and everything a little boy could want. And he shut the door and left the little pessimist in there. And he took the little optimist down the hall and he left him in a room and it was piled this high with horse manure. And he put the optimist in there and he locked the door and he left. And two or three days later he came back, he approached the room where he left a little pessimist with all those toys and he heard the weeping and the wailing like he had never heard. And he ran to the door and threw it open. And here sat this little kid in the midst of all these goodies, crying. He said, son, what's the matter? He said, that's a nice rocky horse, but you have to rock to make it go. So that's a nice train, but you got to plug it in for it to work. And said, I like these games here, but you have to take them out of the box before you can play them. And I'm sad, you know, and he cried. And the man threw up his hands and walked out. Went down the hallway, left a little optimist with that horse manure. 
And he heard the darndest shuffling he had ever heard in his life as he approached that door. He ran through the door, threw it open, the little boy standing there doing this with that horse manure. He said, son, what are you doing? He said, with all this somewhere, there's bound to be a pony somewhere. I'm going to find him. <laughs> One more time. With a difficulty of any kind, it is a reaction you give it mentally and the attitude you adopt toward it in your own thoughts that completely determine its effect on you. A fault does not belong to anyone else. I have a friend down in California who makes a statement that's good to me. He says, it's not what happens to me in this life that matters. It's my reaction to it that makes the difference. It's not what happens to me in this life that matters. It's my reaction to it that makes the difference. This is an entirely different point of view, and this is what I want to get across to you this morning. Why can we not accept I think it has to do with our character. Not our personality, not the external, our character, the internal self. Let me give you a couple aspects that I believe are parts of the alcoholic character. The first and foremost, we are very idealistic people. We have a very strong sense of the way things ought to be. We set goals for ourselves that are too high. We hold values that are too strict. We're extremely moral people. Did you know that? Alcoholics not just moral, we're extremely moral. That's the reason we beat ourselves with that stick when we do something wrong. Whereas a normal person would take it in stride. He can make mistakes. We can't. We do not allow ourselves to make mistakes. Everything's got to be just so. We're so idealistic. We set standards too high for ourselves and other people. They fail, and we fail. The results of idealism are we're never satisfied with ourselves, we're never satisfied with other people, and we're never satisfied with the world we live in. And we go down a well-known path, we idealists. The idealism fades, and in its place comes skepticism. And skepticism even fades, and in its place comes pessimism. And pessimism is not enough, and we move to the realm of cynicism. We no longer believe anything. And then the final step in the ladder, complete and utter despair. And we say those familiar alcoholic words, what's the use anyway? What's the use anyway? We don't like people. First place I ever drank is a place up in Raleigh called Players Retreat. And they had a cartoon on the wall, painted on the wall, that I agreed with completely. That's the reason I like to go in there. They had footprints across the ceiling of that place, and I kind of like that. And the footprints led over to this little box. And in this little box sat a little man, and he was all balled up this way. And the caption underneath that cartoon said, People are no damn good. And I believed it. Totally. I could show you some poems that I wrote during my drinking days and you wouldn't believe them. Because they bespeak what I believed. Totally. In my cynicism. Bottom line for an idealist. Self-hate. <laughs> we just can't cut it. We dislike ourselves more and more and more. And most of us, when we finally hit bottom, cannot stand ourselves. 
when you take your inventory, look at it. Look for self-hate. It's there. And for God's sake, learn to be gentle with yourself. Learn to be gentle with yourself. Another characteristic of alcoholics, we're egocentric. That means we want things to go our way. We want to control, use, manipulate, set up reality, change it to fit us instead of us changing to fit it. If our wives don't measure up, I still do this, we make them over. If our kids don't measure up, we make them over. If the people that work for us don't measure up, we make them over. Everything's got to be just so. Everything revolves around me. I am the center of the universe. In the program, we call it playing God. These lead to some old ideas that every one of us has held. And the basis of these old ideas, I believe, is non-acceptance. Old ideas are based on faulty perception. The way we see things is wrong. We see the problem as outside, not inside. And we react in two ways to our alcoholism. You can find these in any general psychology textbook. There are only two ways to react, they say. And the one is, we fight. We get over drunk and we analyze it. Figure out what we did wrong. We make statements like, someday, somehow, if I just handle it right, I can drink like everybody else. We make statements like, I'm different. I'm big, I'm strong, I'm more intelligent. We say to ourselves, someday I can drink. And then we make the killer statement. I'm going to drink successfully if it's the last thing I ever do. And for some of us, it is. That's the sadness of it. We fight in every way we know how. But two basic ways we fight. We try to drink. And we can't. We try to quit. to our alcoholism this too is in a psychology textbook is flight you all know these you learned them in school fight or flight those are the two ways you react to problems we take geographical cures we change brands we drink only after 5 o'clock only before 5 o'clock we drink only with friends or enemies we only drink in a certain bar God we try a lot of ways to drink take geographical cures same results we get frustrated, we get angry, we get afraid, and we despair. The net result of fighting or running is always insanity. Don't like the word. Simple word. Insanity means to me that the parts of me are not working together the way they ought to. I'm in conflict in myself. One part of me wants to drink, the other part wants to quit. One part says yes, the other part says no. Tremendous internal conflict within me. The parts don't mesh, they don't work right. I'm not functioning smoothly. Or as some people say, I'm not playing with a full deck. The self becomes divided. And I become more angry. Insanity. Insanity in a very real sense 
for the alcoholic would be the refusal to accept his alcoholism. In a very real sense, insanity for the alcoholic is the refusal to accept his alcoholism. To try over and again to do that which he cannot do. And to kill himself in the process. There's a solution. And it's hard. There's a solution that sounds simple. But it's not easy. But it's there. If our reactions have gotten us into so much trouble, if our perceptions have gotten us into so much trouble, we need to learn to act and react differently, don't we? We need to learn to see things differently, don't we, if we're going to change. We need to act and react differently regardless of the giver, the gift, and how it's given. When problems come in, we need to deal with them in a different way. When people trouble us, we need to deal with them in a different way. We need to accept ourselves first. Let me talk a little bit about accepting ourselves. We need to look at ourselves and for the first time in our lives when we look at ourselves not say I'm too much or I'm not enough. For the first time in our lives, we need to look at ourselves and say, like Jess Laird said, I ain't much, but I'm all I got. Or, I'm enough. Not too much, not too little. I'm enough. Look at yourself and see something differently. Accept the responsibility for your own trouble. A new definition for acceptance is here. Allow yourself to be what you are. Allow yourself to be what you are. Another new definition. Be gentle with yourself. All of yourself. Take the good and the bad and say yes to it. Say yes to it. This is me. More than anything else. Accept your alcoholism. Accept your alcoholism as a part of you which is a part of you and which you cannot change. And don't accept it because you want to. Because you just love the idea of being an alcoholic. Most of us don't. Accept it for one simple reason. Please. Survival. Survival. The basic instinct. Accept it because if you don't, you're dead. And I mean that just like I said it. Accept it because there are no alternatives to accepting it. There's a psychologist named Carl Rogers. And Rogers made the following statement. And I quote, Rogers said, The curious paradox is that when I can accept myself just as I am, then... I begin to change. The curious paradox is that when I can accept myself just as I am, then I begin to change. Another psychologist, quote, if we concentrate on accepting ourselves, change will happen. 
if we concentrate on accepting ourselves, change will happen. Not maybe, not if, not and, not but. It will happen. We have a way to do this. We accept our alcoholism, do we not? When we look at the first step in the program of recovery. That step step says out loud, stop fighting. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. There's a concept involved there, and that concept is surrender. Stop fighting, says step one. Because you see, there is a middle ground between fight and flight. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. The others are unreal. They do not work. We have a little prayer that we say. And it goes like this. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And that says out loud, be still. Stop running. Step one says don't fight. The serenity prayer says don't run. Be still. Accept your humanness. Whether you like it or not, I believe that most of us do not like our humanness. Because of our idealism, being human just isn't enough. Because of our need to control and our fear, being human just isn't enough. Accept it. Set reasonable goals for yourself. Set reasonable, have reasonable values. Look at your values. What do you think is the most important thing in the world to an alcoholic? Booze. On top of his whole scale of values is booze. And you know, it's values and beliefs and needs and goals that determine our perceptions. You see, our values determine how we look at things. Take a look at your values. Write them down. And then write a set over here that you want to have and make them realistic. And instead of booze, put sobriety. Sobriety first, last, and always. First things first. You might get well. Because you see, when you are what you are, you can take what is given. When you make up your mind to be what you are, whatever comes will be utilized to help you grow. It's the truth. But you'll never know it unless you try. Never. Second thing, accept other people. Change your perception about them. Oh, that's hard. (laughs) Especially if you believe like me and like the little man in the box. And people are not worth much. Let me give you something that will help you, please, on accepting other people. Again, my friend from California. He said, remember that most people act the way they act because they have to, not because they want to. We alcoholics sometimes think we have a lock on obsessions of the mind and compulsions and, and other kinds of sicknesses. There are other people that got problems out there. Give them the benefit of the doubt. When somebody upsets you, say to yourself immediately, he's acting that way because he has to, not because he wants to. Your thinking will change and you'll see him in a different light. Realize, as it says in the big book, that these people are perhaps spiritually sick too. And we treat them as we would treat a sick friend. 
Now, when I visit a sick friend in the hospital or anywhere else, I try to give him understanding, love, compassion, anything else he needs. What I do not try to do is make him well. That's the doctor's job. You see? Quit trying to change him into what you want him to be and treat him with understanding, kindness, patience, tolerance, love. Remember something, please. Most of you come from a society, Judeo-Christian ethic. A lot of us say a prayer that begins with two words. Our Father. Even if you're not Christian, if you're Jewish, the same concept is there. Our Father. When you're trying to deal with other people, remember, please, that if He is our Father, then we are in very truth, brothers and sisters. That in spite of all our individual differences, down inside, we are the same. That it is absolutely true that what I do to you, I do to me. Think about it. It might help in your relations with accepting other people. Concentrate on the good in people. To accept other people, allow them to be what they are. None of us is a real ace at this. I've tried it for years, and I'm not very good at it today. I still have a tendency to want to make people over. You see, I see how they can be better, and they can't see it. Ask my wife if you don't believe that. We'll try to make them come up to their potential. It's a good motive, isn't it, her? Good motive, good intention. Maybe they ain't ready to come up to their potential. Maybe their perception is not what yours is. Allow them to be what they are. That's hard. Awful hard. Finally, learn to accept God. Throw away the old ideas about God. Some ranting, raving, angry person sitting up on the mountain making thunder and lightning, zapping you every chance he gets, demanding the impossible of you. Say God's will to an alcoholic, he'll shake all over because he thinks it's something heavy. And hard. In that book, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 133, it says the following. We are sure that God wants us to be happy and joyous and free. When you think about God's will, think about happiness and joy and freedom, because that's what it is. Change your concept. Throw the old ideas out the window, no matter how important they are to you, and start brand new. And the best way to start brand new, in my opinion, is to learn to say these two words and contemplate what they mean. I believe that God wants for me every good thing. Every good thing. All the time, every day. I totally believe it. And remember this. We're not talking about knee-walking religiosity. I'm not. You see, what I believe is the essence of accepting other people and yourselves and God is practice. You practice accepting yourself. You practice accepting others. You practice accepting God as He really is. 
practice to me is the essence of the spiritual way of life. Not faith, not any of those other concepts. To me, practice. If you don't do it, you ain't going to learn it. And if you don't learn it, you will not grow. Practice. What are the results of this right here? Let me tell you something. It may be hard for you to believe right now. I'll just give you a few results. Sanity. Sanity. You don't make any more promises about not drinking. You might even go to a party and when the drinks come around, you don't reach for one. No longer does a little monkey jump up back there and say, this time it's going to be different. This time you can drink like other people. You have little interest in alcohol anymore. Your parts of yourself begin to function together smoothly. You're getting along better with yourself. And it follows if you're getting along better with yourself, you're getting along better with those outside. Sanity. Humility. Oh, that's a killer, isn't it? We visualize somebody crawling on their belly every time we say that word. That is not what it means. Humility means nothing less, nothing more to begin with than having an honest opinion of myself. An honest opinion of myself is humility. Do you hear what I'm saying? I accept myself. All of me. We regain that control that we have lost. That we have given away. We're self-controlled people now. We determine what we think, how we choose to react, what our attitudes are, what our feelings are, what our actions are. Again, it's hard, but it can be done. We regain self-control. No longer are we like that puppet on the string that I talked to you about sometimes. And somebody pulls the string and you jump. And another pulls the string and you jump. You cut the strings. You regain the locus of control inside yourself where God put it in the first place. And you get your choices back. Another result. Your perception changes. The way you look at things will change. The 12th step of the program of recovery says, and I quote, having had a spiritual awakening. Is that some high-blown ethereal concept? Or is it a very pragmatic, practical changing of the way you look at things. I think it's that. Spiritual awakening to begin with means that I see things quite differently. Another result. We begin to have new relationships with ourselves, with others, and with God. New relationships. Real relationships. Another result. Sobriety. I'm not talking about just not drinking. I'm talking about what the religious people call having the single eye. Knowing where you came from. Knowing where you're going. Knowing God is God. Knowing you are you. Knowing I am me. Knowing that it is my responsibility to live this life and it's God's responsibility to take care of me while I do it. I know that's sobriety. Peace. 
really does cause the outer. Then if I'm peaceful within, things outside of me will be peaceful too. Think about it. The inner causes the outer. My own concept is what I see. It's not what happens to me in this life that matters. It's my reaction to it that makes the difference. school and I graduated and you know they pass around these little sayings that you have put under your picture in your high school annual did y'all go through that and I picked out a goodie you know what it said I take life as it comes and enjoy it (laughs) biggest lie I ever told in my life I was a mess when I graduated from high school there's another guy in the class and he picked this one And I always envied him. I didn't like it. Happy am I. From care, I'm free. Why can't they all be contented like me? And he was that way. And I didn't like it. And I wanted that saying under my name. Worse than anything, I wanted it. Going back to high school reunion several months ago the class drunk went back to high school reunion the guy who got blamed for everything that happened wrong in that high school the guy that had to be whipped or he didn't graduate the guy who was continually into trouble went back and I went to the banquet and there were all my old friends they didn't recognize me Before we ate that night, guess who they asked to say the blessing? Me. The next day, we dedicated a monument to the old high school. Guess who they asked to deliver the invocation? Excuse me, the benediction. Me. The class drunk. The old high school principal that I hated so much walked up to me and looked at me, and he said, something has happened to you. You've had some kind of religious experience, have you not? He said, are you a minister? I said, no, sir. But something has happened. And he said, I'm glad. And the old high school secretary, who I used to hate, came running up and threw arms around my neck, said, oh, it's awful good to see you. I've been worried about you for 25 years. I didn't think you cared about me. I've been worried about you for 25 years. And I said, why? She said, Tommy, they still call me that up in Raleigh. She said, you were the angriest young man I have ever seen in my life. And I've wondered many times if your anger had killed you yet. If you took a picture of me today, right now, at this point in time, you could indeed put a caption under it. Happy am I, from care I'm free. Why aren't they all contented like me? And the whole thing is built on a very simple program. A very simple program. I didn't earn it. It just came. Finally, there's a little poem that a friend of mine uses, and I like it. 
to describe the change that comes about in we alcoholics. A life change. Some ships fly east and some fly west by the self-same wind that blows. It's the set of the sail and not the gale that determines where each one goes. That's acceptance. It is not the gale of life that matters. It is which way I set my sail. As a man thinks in his heart, 